0: Uh, But I want to start with this. Uh, It's important that we realize uh, that we're in the middle of a battle. Welcome to church. That if we do not realize and if we stay unaware that we are in the middle of a battle, what happens is we will live passively and we'll allow ourselves to be defeated after defeated after defeated and just call it normal. Oh, it's just, it's just life. Defeat after defeat after defeat, it's just life. What happens when you actually understand the narrative that we're written in by God, we understand there's actually a battle happening. That's 2 Corinthians uh, 10, 3 to 5, if you guys want to go there. Paul paints this picture for us. And he says this. Though we live in the world, okay, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God And we take every thought, say thought, captive to make it obedient to Christ. So what happens is there's usually two extremes that I've seen people fall into when it comes to the battle. We either fall into the extreme of striving, where everything is spiritual warfare, right? Everything's a demon. When it's like, no, you just need to exercise. And then there's the other extreme where we're just resting and we're like, it's finished, the work is done, but then you're constantly just living with thought patterns that are ruling your life. Psalm 23, verse 5, I love how David paints this. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There's enemies. (laughs) But the beautiful thing that... In the midst of it, there's a table that's prepared for us. And all we have to do is sit. And so I want to start here with who do we battle against. There's three things I want to highlight. Who do we battle against? All right? The first thing that we see in scriptures, three specific things that we battle against. The first thing is the world. Okay? Okay? So the systems in this world that oppose the truth of God, that we even see this in the ways that this has infiltrated the church, right? The way that we operate, the things that we measure success with, right? So we battle against the world. The second thing is the flesh. The flesh is the sinful nature that opposes the nature of God. And then the third thing is the devil or spiritual powers. That the enemy and demonic powers are spirits that oppose the power of God. So it's important for us if we are aware that we're in a battle, we have to understand who we are battling against. It's the world, the flesh, the devil. Now The second question is, where does that battle happen? Where does this battle happen? The battlefield happens in the mind. Right, we see this in Second Corinthians that we take take every thought captive. Right, the battlefield happens in the mind. We see this in the fact that we're literally living in a mental health crisis. If you guys don't know that, look around. Right, forty two million adults in the U.S. have anxiety disorders. 21 million adults in the U.S. have depression. 12 million adults in the U.S. have PTSD. 11.4 million adults in the U.S. have consistent suicidal thoughts. And so when we look at at this, we see, wait, this this battle, the world and the enemy and our flesh is warring, happens in the place of our mind. And we know this because what does Paul say? If you want to be transformed, you have to renew your what? Wow. It's not renew your flesh or renew your habits. It's renew your mind. Think about that. God, creator of everything, looks at you and says, hey, if you want to be transformed, by the way, transformed into his image, it's very specific. It's not just transformed into a better version of yourself. It's to be transformed into the image of Jesus it happens in the place of your mind. Listen, and if that is the key, then of course, that's where the battle is going to be. Amen? From this other statistic, it said this, that 46%, this is crazy, 46% of Americans will meet the criteria for a diagnosable mental health conditions sometime in their life. And half of those people will develop conditions by the age of 14. So I want to give this disclaimer before we keep going that I fully believe in mental illness, right? Counseling, medicine, if if that's the route that you need to take, it's, it's helpful, it's important, it's real. And not all mental illness is spiritual key in its root, However, we live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world. And who knows that the enemy likes to use broken things. So although it may not every single thing have a root in something spiritual, the enemy will take advantage of what is broken. And so understanding this battle that we're engaging in that happens in the mind is so important as Christians. Because if we just live passively right if, if it's so hard for you to renew your mind well, it's because there's actually a battle trying to win your mind over look at the world look at the temptations of the world right watch the grammys if you guys watch that <laughs> i won't go there right your flesh the enemy all of this is so important but here's the third question that i want you guys to think about so who do we battle against where does the battle happen but what is the battle for? This is so important. The battlefield happens in your mind, and the war is ultimately for who you become. That's it. This battle is ultimately for who you become. First uh, John three two. It says this: Dear friends, we are already God's children. So you're already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. So this is the journey of the Christian life, guys, is that we are becoming like a person. That person is not a better version of yourself. That person is to become like Jesus. And this is what the battle is for. The battle is for who you become. Ephesians 6.11, we know this, this whole passage on the armor of God, right? Maybe do this in Bible, Bible study or Sunday school and probably wondering why there's no pants. You know, there's the helmet, there's breastplate, but for some reason there's no pants. Um, We'll ask Jesus that in heaven. Um, But it says this here, right? Put on all of the armor, except the pants, so that you will be able to stand firm against all what? All what? Strategies Strategies of the devil. So if the devil has strategies, (laughs) we should too. So today, I want to talk about the battle of the mind. Because here's the thing, guys, that if your mind can be free, you can live free. I'm going to say that again over here. If your mind can be free, you can live free. So I want to give you guys today the battle strategy of the believers. Can I do that? The battle strategy of the believer is three things. It's to behold, it's to value, and it's to empower. Say behold. Behold. Say value. Value. Say empower. So this is it. That you become, remember, this is what the war is for, you become what you behold because what you behold, you ultimately value, and what you value, you will ultimately empower. Read that again. You become what you behold, because what you behold, you value, and what you value, you ultimately empower. But here's the thing. This strategy works both ways. (laughs) So point number one is behold. Let's go into this. The word behold means to fix your eyes and attention on something. Right Hebrews twelve two it says this that we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, right? By beholding him, who is the champion who initiates or authors and perfects or completes our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. This is what we're beholding. Okay, so it's by beholding Jesus that our faith becomes authored, okay, which is salvation. It's the moment of salvation. But then it also becomes perfected, which is sanctification, So it's by beholding him that we receive salvation and we receive sanctification to become like Jesus. So enemy number one that we highlighted was the world, and the world fights for your attention. The world is fighting for your attention. This is why Paul says in Romans 12, verse 2, don't copy the behavior, okay, and the customs or the patterns of this world but let god transform you into a new person by changing the way you what you think then you will learn to know god's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect that ultimately what we give attention to is what we move towards what you give attention to is what you will move towards that if we give the lust of this world attention, allowing it to define our worldview of success, of beauty, of security, of sexuality, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it'll be what we move towards. This is why we see a whole church deconstructing. Law said something last last week. It was here last Sunday when Law Phillips preached? He said this thing. I was so far. He said this, he said that if each year comes and Jesus starts to more look more like you, then you look more like him, then you don't have a real Jesus. (laughs) That is each year comes by and Jesus just starts to look more like you. There's no discipline, your sin is just tolerated all the time, just grace, it's fine. If, if Jesus is becoming more like you, then it's not actually Jesus you're following, it's yourself. So Paul says, don't copy the patterns of this world. I don't know if you guys know this, but your brain is wired to think in patterns of thinking. Got this quote, it says this, that repeated behavior or thinking creates neurological pathways which allows our brain to save time and energy in making decisions. So for example, what this means practically is if you consistently turn to a substance when you feel lonely, then whenever you feel lonely, your brain automatically moves towards that thing. This is how addictions form, right? We know this. Another example is that if you grow up thinking that you have to prove your worth to be accepted, then your brain automatically connects moments of failure to not being loved. So your brain is wired this way. God gave you this beautiful machine, and it's wired this way, but as we know that we are born into a fallen world. And so by renewing your mind, it's actually a gift. It's a tool. Because imagine if this gift, your your mind, is used in a way to draw you closer to Jesus. That way, in moments of failure, my behavior now is to draw closer to Jesus, not draw further away from him. And as you continue to live this way, moments of failure only bring you closer to him, not further away. Oh, I failed, and the devil thinks that he succeeded, but wait, you're actually closer to Jesus than you were before. So as long as the pathway, right, because you develop these mental, these neurological pathways, as long as the pathway is traveled, it remains. Right? It's like a trail system in the woods. The more you walk the trail, the longer you walk the trail, the wider it gets, and, re- and it gets more reinforced. But when we seek to change a behavior, a thought pattern, we have to stop taking the same path and seek to blaze a new path with the help of the Holy Spirit. And so to heal our minds, we have to renew our mind to his way of thinking. That's it. This is why scripture is so important. It's because we discover how God thinks. (laughs) Right? You've been given the mind of Christ. Think about that. It says that you've been given the mind of Christ. That you have access to God's thoughts. That faith is simply seeing from God's perspective. Faith in a situation is to see how God sees. Has ever been in a situation where it's just extremely stressful or maybe it's like just everything is just going wrong? You know what I'm talking about? But then you have a moment of faith and you're able to walk through that thing and come out of it and this is This is why we walk by faith, not by sight. Because by walking by faith, we're able to see how God sees a situation. Wait, this moment of attack... Seems like it's this big and scary thing, but God's perspective is, he's actually elevating me, (laughs) and he actually wants to mature me through this. So I want to give you guys this question to ask yourself. What are the things in your life that you're giving attention to that you shouldn't? The world is fighting for your attention. It's fighting for the way that you're supposed to think. Because how and what you give attention to is what you will gravitate towards. Are you giving attention to lies that's been spoken over you? Are you giving attention to the world's view of success? Are you giving attention to unhealthy relationships? That what you behold, right, you'll ultimately become. All right, number two is value. Value. Value is to give something importance or worth. And Matthew 6, 19-21 says this. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, right, whatever you value there the desires of your heart will also be. And so what you value, so your heart will also be. That what you value will ultimately dictate the state of your internal world. (laughs) Or what is the first thing you think about when you wake up? Shows what you value. What is it that you do to prioritize your time? It shows what you value. So enemy number two is the flesh, and the flesh fights for value. Romans 8, 5, 6 says this. It's so good. It says this, those who are dominated by by the sinful nature, right, which is the flesh, thinks about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Verse 6, listen to this. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your what? Mind. Your mind leads to life and peace. And so the flesh wants you to give value to things that lead you to death. Say this this side of the room. The flesh wants you to give valuable, value to things that will ultimately lead to death. Your flesh will never move you closer to Jesus. but while the spirit wants you to give value to what will ultimately lead you to life and peace for example if you value purity you'll most likely walk out purity if you don't value value purity then you know what will happen so you have to ask yourself this question for number two what are the things in my life that I'm giving value to that I shouldn't? What are the things that hold worth in my life that I'm giving it worth that I shouldn't, right? Worship, the act of worship is a response of giving something worth. Right? You see the moment when Israel came down from the mountain. They, they built the golden calf, Right? which is a big, big oof moment for them. And what happened is they, they were worshiping the golden calf, which symbolizes the god of labor, right? Calf, plow the field, it symbolized the god of labor. So what they were doing is they were essentially worshiping their own labor. They literally built the idol. They're worshiping what they made. So when you are giving something worth, in essence, you're giving it worship. And so you have to ask yourself, what are the things that I'm giving worth to that I shouldn't? You guys okay? All right. So the third one, we're gonna go heavy into this one, is empower. When you empower something, is you give it authority or power to do something. Okay, so we talked about the world, talked about our flesh. I want to talk about the devil. Uh, the word authority means power, jurisdiction, dominion, and rule. But here's the important thing. We see this biblically, that authority is always something that is given. Authority is always something that is given. right? We give Jesus authority over us. We give Jesus uh, uh, authority to do things in our life, Jesus gives us His authority. We see this in Luke ten nineteen. It says, "This I have given you authority." <laughs> right, Luke ten nineteen. I've given you authority. This is Jesus speaking to His disciples and us to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy? Nothing will harm you. So it's important to understand this principle that authority is always given. So Colossians 2.15, we see this, that in this way, this is Jesus on the cross, that he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So we understand that Jesus has overcome the world, that we fight now from a place of victory, not fighting to get victory. This is very important. We're not on the defense, right, in the battle. We're on the offense, But here's the key, guys. (laughs) But in our ignorance and in our unbelief, we re-empower a disarmed enemy. Because authority is always given. Because on the cross, Jesus actually took away the authority that the enemy has to rule and reign. But what happens is, in our ignorance and unbelief, we re-empower a disarmed enemy. And so enemy number three is the devil or spiritual powers is they fight for your authority. 1 Peter 5, 8-9 to nine, says this. He says, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So we give him the authority or power or jurisdiction over us. So what happens is when we believe lies, when we make agreements, when we entertain the demonic, we give him an open door and what happens is we empower him. It's a fun word, right? That you've been given authority not to just give back to the enemy, but authority to make the enemy flee, right? It says that resist the devil and he will flee. I want to touch on this thing here in verse 8 where it says this, be alert and sober-minded. Can I have like a pastor moment real quick? Be alert and sober-minded. Proverbs 25, verse 28, says this. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. That the... Commission here in First Peter to be alert and sober-minded is to live in a way, not that we're living in constant fear, right? Because fear is empowering a disarmed enemy, by the way. We don't have to live in fear of the enemy. But we have to live actively in the battle. And so when we engage in things that take our mind away from being diligent, we have to be aware. You can't be drunk. I'm not saying you can't enjoy alcohol. But don't get drunk. Right? The opposite of soberness is drunkenness because what happens is the walls come down. Don't get high. i having like a dad moment right now. It's okay. But what happens is the walls come down. What happens is we're not, we're not like intentionally, like, messing around with demonic things, but we leave the door wide open. And this is what happens, what a foothold is. You guys know what that is? Scripture talks about a foothold. is that the door is kind of cracked. We're not like, hey, Satan, come into my mind and, you know, come in. And, like, most Christians don't do that. But what happens is we crack the door. What happens is we're like, oh, I cracked the door. I had a moment of engaging in. Drunkenness or whatever, or sin. But what happens is we crack the door, and we're like, oh, that was wrong. And you go to close it, but the enemy puts his foot in the door. can't fully close it. He has access now. It's a foothold. But then a stronghold, what happens is if you do that long enough, you open the door a little bit, you open the door a little bit, ah, I should close it, you open the door a little bit, you open it wide enough, where he can just come in and he builds a stronghold. <laughs> he builds his own fortress in your mind. And he starts to camp out. This is when we can't break off of certain patterns of thinking. It's because now there's a stronghold that we've given authority to a, dis- uh, to a uh, disarmed enemy. And we've given him authority and say, hey, now you build your, thor- your fortress in my mind. This is why the commission to be alert and sober-minded is so important. This isn't like a religious thing. This is a freedom thing. All right, so that's the first thing. But in verse 9, I want to touch on this. It says this, resist him. Say resist him. Okay, so remember, you have authority. The same authority that Jesus has, he actually gives to us. So whenever you have spiritual attack, your thoughts are waging war, you actually have authority to fight against it. But what happens is a lot of Christians don't realize that. And so you sit and you're like, God, take it away. God, just take it away, take it away, take it away. The Lord's like, I've actually given you the weapons to fight it. You fight it. I heard this example of, you know, the president is the commander in chief, right, if a Soldier in Iraq was in the middle of a battle and he called the president. It's like, hey, president, like, just do something. Do something. What would the president say? You got the weapons. <laughs> you got the training. You can take care of it. And so oftentimes, guys, we pray or ask God to remove spiritual attack when he's actually given us authority and the tools and the weapons to combat it. And so ask yourself this question, what are the things in my life that I'm giving the enemy authority and ultimately empowering him in? Maybe it's bitterness, unforgiveness, hidden sin, drunkenness, Maybe it's even messing with demonic things, what are the things that I'm giving the enemy authority and ultimately empowering him in? I'm going to end here in Colossians 3.10. Worship team, you guys can come up. But It says this, put on your new nature, okay? Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So it wraps it all together. I so want you to just soak on those words. This is very, very important. Put on your new nature, which means that once you've received Jesus, you've actually been given a new nature. I say this probably every Sunday. Your default operating system is no longer sin. It's actually righteousness. So what happened on the cross was there, there was an exchange. Jesus took your sin nature on the cross, and he crucified it. And on the cross, you received Jesus' nature. Right? He who knew no sin became Our sins that we would become the righteousness of God. So, as a believer, you're born again believer, raise your hand. If you are a believer, your default is now to be like Jesus. So, as we behold him, he authored this, but it's by continually beholding him that he perfects this. Right? This is sanctification. So, this is why. Paul says you have to put it on, (laughs) which means we can put on our old nature, like raggedy clothes, right? So we have to put on our new nature, and this is how the renewing happens. It's by learning to know your creator. (laughs) Say no. no. Learning to know your creator. This isn't to know facts about Jesus and theological things, right? We know that the demons know about him. So this invitation to know him, it isn't just this one and done thing, right? I've been married for four years. I'm still getting to know my wife. So this is the invitation is, is to continually learn to know him, And it's through that that you'll become like him. So going back to the battle strategy that we started with is that you become what you behold because what you behold you will value and what you value you ultimately empower. Remember this works two ways. That you can behold the wrong things, you can behold the world You can value the flesh, you can empower the devil, or you can behold Jesus, you can value Jesus, and you can empower Jesus. Jesus, you have jurisdiction over my yeses and my noes. Jesus, you have jurisdiction over what is right and what is wrong. Jesus, you have jurisdiction to define how I'm supposed to live. Not out of duty, but out of love. Let's stand.